And first, I just wanted to thank SEA for once again putting together a very important initiative during times of need. It's sometimes times of crisis that bring out the best in us. SEA has a way of always being stellar, but during times of crisis and need, I have a way of rising to the top. So this night and nights of uh, strength through Torah is truly, at least in my opinion, an initiative is not only important, but of utmost importance for us during this difficult time. Just this past Shabbat, I, uh, I reflected upon a pasuk that's mentioned at the onset of Parashat Vizot HaBeracha. It's a pasuk that says, Vayhi bishurun melech bihitasef rashe'am yahad shiftei Yisrael. pasuk talks about God's kingship, his malchut, and it talks about it specifically by mentioning Am Yisrael, our nation, through that name Yeshurun. Yeshurun, as the rabbis understood it, is one of the greatest names reserved for Am Yisrael at their greatest moments. And the Pasuk in turn, as some of the Mefarshim suggest, describes us as a nation connected to God at our greatest moments, Bihit Asef Rashe'am Yahad Shiftei Yisrael. It's when we as a nation, together with leadership and lay people, have a ability to Bihit Asef, to come together. It's that joining together that raises us above. In the words of Nitziv in his commentary to the Torah, he even suggests that that manifestation of God as Melech during times, Bihit Asef Rashi'am Yahadim Shiftei Yisrael, when we gather together, when we truly focus in solidarity, uh, that's the times during which miracles oftentimes can or will take place. So an event like this, over the course of weeks, hopefully not too many, is an opportunity for us really to gather together and to establish for ourselves that status of Yeshurun. I'd like to, for a few moments now, just to reflect upon this past week's parasha, Parashat Bereshit, and learn lessons from it, at least those which affected me this week, in ways that maybe not as profoundly in the pa- as in the past, but are really always relevant. You see, the Torah begins, as we're all familiar with, with a description of Ma'aseh Bereshit. The Torah has a description of God's creation of heavens and earth. And the question begs itself as to what we're supposed to derive, what we're supposed to learn from the description of the Torah in how the world was created. It's God's handiwork. There's little, it would seem at first glance, that we could derive in terms of lessons and messages to our own lives through reading the description, as the Torah presents it, of how God created the world. But I believe that at the end of the first chapter of Bereshit, when the Torah describes human beings as being crafted, B'Tselem Elokim, we were created with the complexion of God, it's in a certain respect a mandate, a responsibility for us to live up to the ways of God which means to say that we're supposed to, the Torah is hinting to us, read the first chapters of the Torah and see in them messages that are relevant to us. Because after all, it's Bereshit bara Elohim et The description of God as Elohim over there is identical to who we are as Tselem Elohim. And in turn, it behooves us to read those Pesukim carefully, to try to derive and understand well, what is it that they might be teaching us? What lessons, what messages are relevant to us at any time, 
but more than ever, I believe, today. It's with that that I would begin with one other, not reservation, but one other warning and caution that I've, to a certain extent, in my life, sought to follow. And that's not to ask the question, why, all too often, but rather to focus on what. And what I mean by that is, well, first and foremost, I remember many of my teachers taught me that with regards to study of Talmud. We focus on what is relevant, what is taught, why, what the incentive, what the underlying rationale, that's oftentimes difficult to wrap your head around. So instead, focus on the what. That's true with regards to Talmudic law, as much as I believe it's true in our lives on a day-to-day basis, and certainly during times of difficulty. To begin to wrap our head around the reality right now, to begin to associate and affiliate with Ahenu Bnei and Benot Israel in Israel, is to begin not with the question of why this happened, but rather what we can learn from it, what it is that we in turn are inspired to react and change ourselves to become. That is very much the description, as I understand it, of Bereshit as well. We ask questions not of why, but of what. What is God doing? And in turn, how do we relate to that? It's with that I begin. Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'et ha'aretz ve'ha'aretz hayeta tohu vavohu ve'choshech al pene tehom ve'ruach Elohim merachefet al pene ha'mayim. Those are the first two pesukim in the Torah. They describe a time in which, as the Torah is telling us, there was, through God's craftsmanship, tohu vavohu. That's, in fact, the way Ramban and many others understand the initial Pesukim. God brought forth tohu vavohu. God brought into existence a state of chaos and utter dysfunction, which already prompts a question. What are we supposed to learn from God's initial craftsmanship of utter chaos. It's one thing if we didn't believe and accept that God created that chaos, it just was. Alternatively, if God brought into fruition, if God began creation through tohu vavohu, it must have some lesson to us. We must be in a position where we're supposed to be reading those words and inspired by them in some way what I've, over the course of time, come to accept and really appreciate in terms of understanding that message of a world which began as tohu vavohu, is that much, if not all, of the encounters that we have with regards to challenges and difficulty in life begin in a state of tohu vavohu. The world and the situations that we encounter, we oftentimes assume initially are negative, are wrong, are terrible, instead of seeing it as a state for potential. God began creation with tohu vavohu, the raw material, the energy through which he would then craft a beautiful world in order to teach you and me that in every circumstance that we encounter and live through, we can look at it and need to look at it, not as something which is insurmountable, not as a circumstance which is impossible to deal with because it's so pronounced by its negativity and its rotten, evil side, but instead, it's a circumstance, a situation which we've been handed. And the question in turn is what we make of it. To take, for example, 
creation itself. Tohu vavo is the way God begins. Then, as the days of creation go on, God carefully crafts his yoser. He takes tohu vavohu and brings forth light. And from that day of light, he separates water and then brings forth land. And from land, there's animals and there's fish in the sea and human beings, ultimately speaking. It's a description of an utter state of chaos, of nothingness, of no potential, of nothing possible. And instead, you and I are supposed to be inspired. We're supposed to be inspired by every circumstance in life to look at it and to say, it appears perhaps to be negative. I don't see a chance but to check ourselves in that moment and say, but where is the positive inherent in this? The truth is, those are the words that the rabbis use for evil and positive inclination. The yeser hara and the yeser hato. There's not a tob and ra, a good and bad. There's a yeser hara and a yeser hatov. To be yotzer, the pasuk describes, vayitzer Adonai Elohim min ha'aretz, means to craft. Effectively, then, the message to you and me is, any situation, any idea that comes to mind, even a seemingly objective, terrible and horrible war situation can be in some way mitzor, a yitzira, a craftsmanship, which will turn in, in will, which will result in turn for us as something positive, to be a little bit more practical, to be a little bit more specific. At the onset of this war, there were many questions with regards to how anything positive could result. The images, the descriptions were jarring at best. They were frightening. Uh, there were people who were and are kept awake at night thinking about those images. As time progressed, though, as, as we have lived through this, as we've observed but soon became active participants, we've realized that it wasn't ra per se that we were met with. It was tohu vavohu. It was a circumstance and is a situation, which if we can learn the lesson, if we can understand it appropriately, we can rise through and from it. I, uh, not too long ago, I spoke to one of my sisters. She described how each of my two sisters live in Israel. She described how her, her children were delivering and uh, putting together sisiot for soldiers, male soldiers in the army. I laughed for a moment. I just said, what are you laughing at? I said, how many soldiers, many religious soldiers, how many soldiers, even the religious ones, are wearing tzitzit on the front lines? At which point she said to me, very tellingly, but also somewhat refreshingly, she said, Avi, did you forget there's no atheist in a foxhole? It's a circumstance, a situation which brings out the connectedness of everyone to God. Every soldier is interested in connecting in this moment. It's instead of seeing something as ra, and it is, and there is much ra, the opportunity, the possibility to be yoser tov, to find a yetzer hatov. It's something we encounter on a daily basis. It's those difficult situations which can take us down unless we realize there's an opportunity here. There's something that we can rise from. It was just a week ago that I'm sure every synagogue, both in Israel and certainly in America, had to contend with the question of hakafot on a simchat Torah, which didn't feel as all 
as if there was any simcha, as if there was any happiness. And in the synagogue that I was praying in, there was that same question and same deliberation. And I, walking away from it and throughout those hakafot, specifically because of the hardships, directly owed to the hard and difficult circumstances that we were learning about, was the most meaningful hakafot, certainly in my life, that I've been a part of. It was a hakafot which wasn't filled with silliness or absent-mindedness. There was focus. There was mindfulness. There was a, a feeling, an aura in the room in which we were searching and seeking for a moment of meaning because it felt as if we were struck and almost frozen in place. This was what was springing us into action. It's this time and times like this which I believe force us to appreciate and realize what it means to look at something which appears as if it's ra, negative, evil, nothing positive can possibly come forth, and to instead say, this is tohu vavohu, this is chaos. How do I craft it? What am I yotzer? What do I change and shift and grow myself and those around me from this? The truth is, the Torah continues. In the next two Pesukim, the Torah describes the creation of light. Vayomer Elohim, Yehi Or. Vayhi Or, God proclaims and states there should be light, and indeed there is light. And then God, Vayar Elohim et Or Kitob, He sees a certain complete nature to the light. And only then, Vayavdel Elohim ben Ha'or ben Ha'oshech, He separates the light from dark. That description is so telling as well, is it not? It means that it all began, as the Torah describes it to us, with darkness. There wasn't light at the beginning. Darkness is so much of what's being felt and has been felt over the course of the last week. But the description of the Torah is that from darkness, our responsibility in mimicking the ways of God is to bring forth light. It's to see inherent within that darkness the responsibility to shine a light, to not fight darkness, the ways of Hamas, with darkness, but to shine a light instead as a way of rectifying and fixing it. In fact, Rashi quotes from the rabbis that there was some mysterious light at that time, which was set aside, he describes, an or haganuz for the righteous people in the future. And his telling statements, as I understand them, are one in which it's a mixture of light and darkness, this Or HaGanuz. And in turn, the responsibility for the righteous people to say, how do I mix light with darkness? How do I realize that it doesn't need to be a circumstance, a situation where the darkness is enveloping and pervasive in a way that I can't shine my light? It's a time, as I understand it, where each of us are searching for that light. The knee-jerk, instinctive response is to fight darkness with our own darkness, to be spread thin and to be thinking and enveloped in our own lives by darkness. But instead, I think the Torah at the very onset teaches us that just as God took tohu vavohu and crafted a beautiful world from it, so too did he begin with darkness and in turn bring forth light in a practical sense as well. On Friday afternoon, as I was leaving the school, 
I turned to Rabbi Zelig Prague and asked him for inspiration for Shabbat, as I often do before Shabbat. And he said to me that he remembers when he was younger, Seder uh, in his home in Sha'arei Chesed in Yerushalayim, there was always an extra chair at the table. And his father used to explain to the family, there's this extra chair at the table because there are Jews in Russia who can't be sitting at the Leil Seder. So we will be thinking about them and, so to speak, living for them tonight. As I came home and I repeated that story to my wife, Zahava told me that there are many people worldwide this past Shabbat who as well set aside a place at the table for those who can't be at the table on Shabbat. Seeing this circumstance as one not to bring us into the blackness of darkness, but rather to shed a light to say we're having an invitation to others. We're thinking about them. I came home on Friday night and there were two extra candles lit on the table. And Zahava again explained to me that joining with many women throughout the world, there were two extra candles lit, not in memory of those who perished, but that as well, but in merit of those who can't be at the table that night, not seeing it as a moment of mere and utter darkness, but instead as an opportunity to light in a physical sense and bring forth an extra light. There was as well a circumstance that my sister described to me, and she said that there was a, a someone in her close proximity to her home whom she didn't know, the family. They lost one of their children in a terrible circumstance, and, uh, and in turn, uh, when they found out in this shocking moment, in a spontaneous, quick fashion, tens, she said to me, literally of thousands of people gathered outside of the home, not to mourn only, but to stand in solidarity and to sing Hatikva, to speak about hope, to realize that our only responsibility when fulfilled best in these sorts of moments is to say that darkness can and will win if we're enveloped and de determined by it. If alternatively, we mimic the ways of God, if we shine light at it, we in turn are not asking questions of why, but of what. We're asking ourselves, what can we do in order to grow, in order to come together? The solidarity that I know is felt worldwide is on the public sphere and spectrum as well, in some sort of solidarity at long last in the government of Israel. Unprecedented and unimagined times of war and of difficulty oftentimes bring out a certain light in us. I would like to conclude with just a story that very much moved me when I heard it from him. I had beforehand read it in one of his books. Abe Foxman, who was uh, for many years the uh, president of the ADL, of the Anti-Defamation League, described how after liberation uh, during the Holocaust, he was a boy of maybe five, six years old. He had been hidden uh, over the course of the war uh, with a Christian family. He knew nothing at all about Judaism. And after the war, miraculously, his parents survived and came and retrieved him from the Christian family they had secured him with over the course of the war and brought him for his first Simchat Torah in the great synagogue of Vilna. And as Abe Foxman described it, he said, it was this towering building which clearly had once been majestic, but was now deteriorated. 
the walls had crumbled. There were uh, Torah scrolls strewn throughout. There were even remnants of blood on the floor. It was Simchat Torah, and that's what, to me, is most meaningful in terms of remembering this at this time. He said that he entered into the building knowing nothing about Judaism. He instinctively made a cross on his heart, assuming that's what Jews as well do. His father brought him into the room, and of course there were only adults. How many children, little children, could have and would have survived the Holocaust? And as they entered into the room, there was a, a certain realization at the conclusion of the prayers. There were no Sifre Torah. The Sifre Torah had been stolen or destroyed over the course of the wartime. And one of the soldiers who had just liberated turned to this young man, Abe Foxman, at the time and asked him, are you Jewish? He knew the answer was yes, didn't know what that meant at which point the men raised him up in the air and instead of a Sefer Torah, danced throughout the night as he remembered it with him because they celebrated, as I understand it, in face of the darkness of the Nazis, life, Torah, mitzvot, our avodat Hashem, our way of coming together in solidarity are all descriptions of that light of life. And to dance in turn, in fervor, and in a genuine and authentic fashion, is to celebrate the vayhi or, which is our responsibility, is to realize that in a world, and, and a world which increasingly sheds darkness upon us, our way of enduring, of fighting that darkness, is not with our own darkness, but with light. Being able to realize, and with that video which I saw right before Shabbat, of a young soldier who screamed, who demanded that all the synagogues across the world not only sing on Friday night, not only be praying, but be dancing in place of the soldiers who can't be doing so, is our responsibility, is our ability to ask not questions of why at this time, but to ask questions of what, to learn the lessons of Bereshit, to realize that in a world which appears at times to be evil, in circumstances which so seemingly have no glimpses or opportunities or cracks for light, it's our responsibility to find those cracks. It's our responsibility to see in the tohu vavohu the opportunity to be yoser tov. We say it every morning. We talk about God as a yoser or ubore hoshech. He did create darkness. We have darkness. It is a reality we need to contend with. But our responsibility is to meet it with a yisirat or the opportunity, the responsibility that each of us have in our own lives, in our communal and familial lives, in our personal development, to find whatever it is that is all for you and to shine that, whatever it is that you can do to be your ser tov, to take this as an experience which is harrowing at best and to transform it and realize within it their opportunity that you have, that we have to transcend, to find within it the inherent opportunities that each of us can and will seize to grow from it and to be those or la goyim, as we're oftentimes told that we are, to be the shining beacon of light to the world during times of darkness, our light is perhaps best manifested. It's my hope and prayer that each of us should be inspired during this time to shine our light, to follow the image of God in Ma'aseh Bereshit, and to take Tohu Vavohu and turn it into a Yitzirat Olam Shel Tov. We should see a speedy 
end and Yeshua to this war and to be Zoche Bimhera Beamenu to Mashiach Zikneno. Amen.